to well we want to welcome you today to our uh, live stream and thank you for tuning in it's always such a blessing to know that we're not doing this absolutely alone and we also hope that we're a blessing to you and last time we did one of these we uh, did a little interview with brother Isaac and now we've got brother Dale Marshall with us and uh, we're gonna put him in the lion's den here and uh, let him answer some questions and uh, we do this because some of this will remind you of some things you already know for some of you who have been around here for a long time and then it also for some of our new people you need to get to know him and learn some things about him and above all maybe it stimulates us to pray for one another and pray for our staff and it also will uh, maybe give you a a way of uh, thinking about the ministry that he's involved in maybe you could be involved and maybe there's some way that you could help in something you haven't really thought about before and so we do this for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and also to um, strengthen relationships and then to um, kind of foster encouragement for everybody to be involved in our ministry. So Brother Dale, thanks so much sure. for doing this. You've been around the church <clears throat> a long time now. A little while. Huh? A little while. A little while. When did you uh, become a member here? I became a member in 80. One, I believe. 81? Yeah, 1981. And then when did you start leading music? You started in first as a volunteer? October, or October, I think, of 89 or 88. Okay. And then when did you come on staff? Um, in 92, first part of 92, 92. I think. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a, been a little while. Been a little while. Yeah, <laughs> a little while. Been, been a little while. Um, as we have been uh, thinking about Oh, life and all of that. There's a you know variety of questions here that ask some things kind of serious, some things that are not uh, quite so serious, just so uh, people can get to know you. But um, as uh, we were thinking about this, I thought about the uh, phrase I'd heard someone say, Christianity is a singing religion. Um, of course, I guess you could go to the Old Testament, right? whole book of Psalms. Uh, so Judaism is as well, but there's something about um, Christianity, um, the references to being filled with the Spirit, then it says singing to yourselves and singing to one another, uh, those type of things. Paul and Silas singing in the prison at midnight. Uh, it, it's just powerful when you go in the book of Revelation, a lot of songs that are um, in there. And um, why do you think it's important for the church to sing. And I ask that because it appears to me that um, we're kind of in that stage where there's a lot of good things happening with music and then there are some other things that are not. And I've been to some meetings where uh, people just sort of stood there and watched people on the stage. But at the same time with the Gettys and different people like that, there's been a resurgence. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us just a little bit about what you what you think and what you've learned about that well I think it it applies to us we're part of the church body we're part of the body of Christ it applies to me personally and it also applies to us corporately but personally first I'm commanded to glorify God okay and I glorify God when I praise him uh, we glorify God when we show gratefulness for what he's done in our lives so many of the 
songs that we sing bring that out. It stirs up memories within us that bring that out. Mm -hmm. uh, gratefulness is, uh, is sometimes triggered by memories. Uh, songs trigger those memories and build, then therefore build my faith. Uh, music tends to stir us where we're at right now, but also brings back things. So I think it continually builds our faith. You know, in the Old Testament, they would, they would write songs at victories and uh, they would sing those. A lot, of, a lot of the psalms contain that type of information, but mm -hmm. not just victories. Also, many of the psalms are when they're in struggles. So when, I think when you, when you sing songs and they trigger those type of memories, it, it reminds me of what God's brought me through. It reminds me of who he is. Um, songs that are theologically sound uh, will remind me of the characteristics of God. Obviously, we, the closest and where we should pull out the first, uh, our priority for getting the characteristics of God is his word. Mm -hmm. But I think coming alongside that as a command, as a companion, is a good music. A lot of a lot of music that we sing can remind us of the characteristics of God. Can help us teach our children the characteristics of God, and then help remind us and also teach about what God has done. Well, you know, there's. It, I, I think back in the days when everybody used the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, it was fairly common that a pastor or somebody might say stand and turn to you know, a certain sure. scripture passage and everybody could read it. You know, we've got so many different translations right. of the scripture, we really can't do that very well. But we can sing. Yes. And we can yes. sing the same words. We can sing the same words. Sometimes now there's different versions. That's you know, true. We've been to funerals together where you're wondering, well, what version of this song are they going to mm -hmm. sing? But yet the words are still there and the message is still there yeah. uh, for us to unify around. And personally, you know, when you consider that on a personal basis, I can do that anywhere. Yeah. I can do it in my car and do it at home. Uh, people can do it at, the, at their desk. Uh, but then I think there's also a corporate aspect that when we gather, we need to do that as a body. Because when we do that as a body, um, we do several things. First of all, we offer up our praises corporately to God. Uh, but secondly, we can build the faith of those who are struggling. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see people come in and they stand there and they don't sing. But sometimes it's people that normally sing. So when we gather as a body and we lift up praises, we can lift up those people when we do that. And that's something that I can't do at home. Uh, you know, there's times when you come to church and you may not be able to personally talk to everybody that's there, but I can affect uh, their joy, if you will, by the way that I participate in corporate singing. You ever been to a church where you, the congregation singing and you felt like you were the only one yes, singing? Yes, That's and horrible. Yes. And it's and nice to hear other voices. We're so fortunate here that people love music and, yeah. and our people are a singing people uh, they're not they don't come in just wanting to, to spectate uh, yeah. for the most part and that's that's such a blessing um, and that does allow us to encourage one another that's part of that meeting to stir well, up one another and that is nice because that does give everybody an opportunity to uh, be a participator yeah. in worship yeah. and so I think it's it's an important part of our our spiritual life. Yeah. Good. Where do you struggle? 
how what, what have been the things that have been like barriers or struggles? And I don't mean we don't want to go into your deep no, secrets or anything, but, but just in general. Like probably everyone else, I struggle with contentment. And that's not just content with the things that I have. It's sometimes more being content with where God has you. And you know, God, why can't we grow more as a church right now? Why can't we have this? Or uh, why why did this person leave? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I struggled for a while after the Lord took Brother Luke home, yeah. just being content with that. I miss him so much, still do today. Um, you know, and, and you lift up those whys. Well, when those whys start taking away your joy and start affecting your your faith, then that's showing you're not content with where the Lord has you. Yeah. And and it can really, uh, you know, it can obviously can bring about depression. It can. There's a lot of things it can do to stunt you spiritually. And so I struggle sometimes with that. And it, I don't know if we get worse with that as we get older. Um, it seems like you should get better because we should, you've seen we? you've seen God bring you out of that, and you've seen God turn that around. But uh, we know what we need. We know what yeah. we don't need. We've got yeah. experience with what God has done and what He's provided. But so I struggle with that, yeah. and then uh, I guess along with everybody else, uh, I stay convicted with inconsistency in my prayer life. And you know, somebody will mention a prayer request to you, and you man your heart's stirred and I, I want to pray for you and then you go three days and realize you, you realize I haven't prayed for it am I really showing that I care mm-hmm. uh, you know if that was that important to me at the time why did it why did it drift out of my mind and my heart yeah. so I, I struggle with those those things I guess uh, yeah. along with everybody else I think probably we all can understand that in other words you're normal yeah. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately sometimes you're normal um, what what is your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite book of the Bible? I don't know that I have a favorite book. My favorite passage is prob- probably uh, Lamentations three, you know, in that twenty twenty first verse, wherever it starts. Uh, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Uh, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end. Most important part: they're new every morning. Yeah, and I need that. <laughs> Don't we? And I I love uh, the first couple of chapters of Ephesians because they're such a great reminder of what I was like before Christ and the dramatic change that He brought about and the fact that He can do that. You know, for anyone we just studied in, in Sunday school about Paul being the the chief of sinners, and when you look at where Paul was at that time and mm-hmm. his attack against Christianity. In the, in the new church and realize God changed him in an instant. When you realize you're dead, yeah. and there really aren't degrees of dead, right. you're either dead right. or not, De- degrees of decay, yeah. I guess, but not of death. And boy, then you really do need that mercy, don't you? Yeah. And as much as that's an encouraging verse, there's a there's another verse, uh, the latter part of, um, I think it's verse 16 in the 12th chapter of Romans, the thing the Holy Spirit will bring to mind so often when I have thoughts about things is uh, that, that verse says, do not be wise in your own opinion. Mm. <laughs> I can get really caught up in that. Yeah. In, uh, once I, you know, and the right may be on my side, and I'm right about something, but don't be too wise about that. Well, you're, I mean, to be fair, 
you're stupid if you think something that you know is wrong. Yeah, that's true. So we all, I mean, I've had people say, do you think everything you preach is true? Well, I wouldn't preach it if I didn't think so. Now, am I open to change? Yeah. And to learn and grow, that's a different story. So, you know, I, I think Paul wants to do that. But, you know, confidence in your opinions, you know, that's a pretty natural thing. That's yeah. why you think it. But I, I need to have that constant reminder of everybody else may not treasure your opinion yeah. <laughs> quite the way you do. A little bit of so, humility. Yeah, if you're going to get along with people, just yeah. consider how you present that. I uh, I think about, you know, phrases that, you know, we've grown up with unity and diversity. That's a hard thing, yeah. you know, to know that somebody can be really heart felt convinced about something that I think is wrong and yet I'm supposed to love them and disciple them, help yeah. them have maybe learn from them. Twenty twenty has just magnified that. <laughs> I mean yeah. There are good people that I love dearly that, that we have differing opinions about part of, you know, this virus and the things that are going on and the proper way that, you know, what's proper the proper way for our government to to attack it and mm-hmm. um, man you've got to be patient with one another and you've got to remember that that verse yeah yeah and and to know too that um, you know there's a strong possibility all of us could yeah. be wrong yeah all of us could be yeah I don't maybe we both can't be right but we all could be wrong and probably are on more things than we I have neither a medical degree or experience <laughs> in the field. <laughs> I can't even take care of myself properly. So, and uh, you know, none of us have ever been here yeah. before. You know, and uh, it's such a such a weird, weird, weird time. So you know, the mercy of God, He probably gives us. Um, let me restate that He gives us a whole lot more mercy than we realize, and that than we think that we actually need. Um, what are some books? Um, aside from the Bible, of course, that have influenced you. A couple. I'm a horrible reader. I get I get bored with things too fast when I read, and I go find the see if I can find the stuff on video. Uh, but there's a book uh, called Return to Worship mm-hmm. by Ron Owens. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever read that book. I went to a one day conference, and it was something arranged through the Singing Churchman, where we sat down with them and. Uh, he led us in a time of worship, and then he he spoke about this book, and then uh, I purchased the book there and uh, and read it. And he does such a good job of laying out the ba- biblical basis for some of the things we do in worship. And mm. it starts with just he he arranges it in chapters, of letters written to individually to you and corporately to a music director, uh, to a choir member, but. Um, you know, he starts out with that basis of uh, pointing out a definition of worship, and it involves bowing, whether that's physically or in my heart, before God and offering mm-hmm. adoration and recognition of who he is. And then uh, one of the other chapters that, uh, it was, that I remember uh, talks about uh, realizing who God is and who we are and how that effect should affect our worship. So that book, uh, there's another book. Um, I read it more recently, just you know, within the last uh, 
five or ten years. It's an old book, uh, that Influencing Your Serve by uh, Charles Swindell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a, a book that you know he he bases it around uh, the chap the verse in Mark where Jesus said, "Even the Son of Man came to serve and to offer his life a ransom for many." And it's it's such a stark reminder of, of how little I serve others. I hadn't thought about that book in a long time, but I read that when I was in my twenties. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It's a great yeah. It's a great book. Um, but that book, and then you know, I was thinking about that last night, and uh, beyond books, so many men have influenced me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been so fortunate with some of the men that I grew up with in the the church I grew up in, and then in this church, uh, you know. People like Gary Wright and Pepper that taught me how to deal with people, and uh, Jack Hanna, who uh, who would would be a great reminder when you were uh, maybe not being as joyful as you should be. You know, he comes up with that bubbly, bubbly, bubbly smile and what's going on, knothead, and just mm-hmm. would always lift you up. And uh, being around some of those people that possess <laughs> gifts that I'm not as gifted at. Uh, and then, of course, working with uh, with both Brother Sam and with you, uh, learned so much. Uh, when I worked with Brother Sam, when I surrendered the ministry, I knew I knew nothing, you know, about it. And and he helped shape a lot of that. Um, and then probably one of the most, if not the most, influen- influential man on my life has been Carl Kerrigan. He just uh, I don't know that I've been around another man that taught me so much about living a, a life of faith. You know, he would, we'd talk to him about where you headed next. Oh, my next assignment. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he truly lived his life that way. Mm-hmm. What's, what's my next assignment? It's God res, God's responsibility to get me there in this rickety old motorhome. It's God's responsibility to provide the finances to do it. And when I get there, I'll do whatever God says. And there were times when uh, he would come here at Thanksgiving and we would give him probably the best love offering he would get all year, yeah. probably a pretty significant part of yeah. his deal. And then he'd go and spend it on a mission project. Yeah. yeah. And not, he was not we were, really on himself. Thanksgiving, we were getting ready to spend the week with our family and so many of those years, he was leaving the next morning to go to Belize. Yeah. yeah. To share his, to spill his life out on others yeah. and to teach. And, uh, you know, he taught, I mentioned earlier about struggling with contentment. He he taught me a lot about that. And then, uh, you know, the the time he preached and taught us about it's not enough to be right about something, but you need to be right, right. That yeah. phrase is always stuck in my mind. And you go, <clears throat> you look at the at the chapter, um, was it first first Corinthians, the love chapter, thirteen. Yeah, and Paul's been talking about all these gifts. And then he goes into, you know, I can have all these gifts, but if I don't administrate them with love, I can be the best speaker. I can, I can prophesy. I can, uh, I can serve others. But if I don't do it with love, then I'm not, as Carl would say, right, right. Yeah, you're just noise. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that was uh, mm. that was invaluable to to be able to be around somebody like that. 
and then again, you, boy, you miss them so much when when they're when they're gone. Uh, yeah, and I know he had, a, I'm sure, a greater influence on you even isn't, than me. Isn't it in interesting too that there are some people that you just don't appreciate as much as you should. You always appreciate yeah. them, but not as much as you should until you can't talk to them anymore. Right. Until you, oh, right. I'd love to hear what he would think about this or something like that. But yeah. Mm. Well, thanks for making me sad. <laughs> uh, what do you think as you look at life and look at people and all the people you deal with as an elder in the church? Um, I mean, we all have neighbors. I know you've had some neighbors. Uh, we have business dealings. We have witnessing opportunities, ministry opportunities. What, what would you categorize as the top five Issues that mm. people seem to have that I came up with a couple. Uh, I think that maybe it's been like this for every time period, but it seems like now more than ever, as Christians, there's very little evidence of joy in our life. Okay, um, you know, it goes back, to, I guess, to that contentment mm -hmm. thing. Uh, that's got to be a part of it if I'm not content I'm not very joyful maybe that's why Paul had to say more than once rejoice in the Lord yeah. always yeah uh -huh. and it also shows a, a very strong lack of faith mm -hmm. if I can't be joyful about where I'm at then I probably can't be joyful when I'm in a better time I'll, I'll just figure it was me that did it and not God mm -hmm. if God can't take care of me now in a, <laughs> in a valley or a struggle then he, he's probably not the one that's taking care of me when everything's great. It's all all on me. I had a pastor who said, talking about the Bible, and it's not exactly what you're talking about, but it applies. He said, if you can't endure the parts that bore you, you'll never enjoy the parts that delight you. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're saying just about life. Yeah, and it affects so much. of It affects us when we gather together. We're not able to encourage I've got so much baggage myself. Let me enjoy myself, so it's not going to spill over on others that need it. Which is, which is one of the main intents of us gathering is that we'll encourage one another. Mm -hmm. um, it also is a huge hindrance uh, to sharing the gospel. If I don't have joy, what am I sharing? You know, if Christ hasn't brought joy into my life, His love and his sacrifice for me, everything he's done for me, if that gratefulness doesn't bring about a joy that wants me to want others to have that. And then, you know, if I'm around people, uh, whether it's a co-worker, it's harder. I remember this more back when I worked uh, other than at the church. If people see me in a lousy mood and then there's an opportunity there to say, hey, where do you go to church? You know, they're I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't need what you have. Or what I don't you, know, but I don't yeah, want yours. I don't need yeah. what you have or don't have. Um, and, you know, you look at how do we solve that. Well, this past year, if anything else should should come out of it, is uh, where's true joy? It's not in, uh, you know, we've had so many things taken away, seemingly, uh, when we couldn't gather. We couldn't uh, just went through a holiday where the where they're telling us don't get together uh, there's other ways you can do it and you can get around that so mm -hmm. there's a way we can find joy in anything which should be our 
yeah. should be our solution. You know, and then we have the audacity to say and tell the world, put Christ back in Christmas and Jesus is the reason yeah. for the season, but then take away something that has nothing to do with Jesus and we fall apart like they do. So I get what you're saying. Lack of faith and lack yeah. of joy. Yeah. Uh, a second thing would be, uh, and maybe you and I are just in a position where we see this more than other people, but um, it's this thing where people are looking for the church to meet all their needs uh, looking for the church to when they come in with that lack of joy you you know, get up there and preach and give me joy yeah uh, instead of looking for how what can I do for others and I, I'm guilty of the same thing so I'm not yeah. trying to put people in a boat that I'm not in but there's just so many there's so much lack of concern for others and Putting others, you know, the Bible tells us, tells me I actually should put uh, what you need ahead of what I need. Uh, that's difficult. That's difficult. But do I even ever try? And it, why is it that it seems like the better you know someone, the harder that is to do? Yeah. You know, we we will treat a family member a lot worse and expect more out of them and judge them for what they don't give much more than we will just a you know, a clerk at Walmart. Yep. I'll give them a pass on something, but then you better. And, and with, I think we do that in church, too. We have expectations that only God can meet. And within the church, sometimes it seems like that's even worse. You can take somebody with a long history at a church, and just the slightest little thing can cause you to chop that relationship off. Well, I'll go yeah. find this somewhere else instead of trying to work through it. Um, which, again, is such a such a horrible testimony uh, to the world. You know, Jesus said they'll know you by the way you love each other. He didn't say be easy to love each other. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the world's looking for is a way to get along. Mm-hmm. And if if we don't show that, you know, if we can show that, if I can show that I can put aside what I want for a little bit to help you, <laughs> then that's something the world doesn't understand. I had a deacon at my last church that one of his famous phrases at least what he would say to me is we'd talk about something and he would go well if it's easy everybody would do it and it's not easy to love everybody and that's part of what I think makes this attractive to unbelievers if we do it well because God is love and think about how he loves us and how difficult we are and we ought to have that with one another and And we all feel inadequate in some way yeah and so, if, and we are. If we can be exposed to people that can help lift us up and help cover some of that inadequacy, and if I can come out of some of that inadequacy by helping somebody else, uh, you know, that's why we're put together as a body. You know, on social media, it's real common now for people to say, "I am enough," or "You're enough," you know, and that yeah. kind of thing. And uh, let me just say, to settle everything, no, you're not. <laughs> That's the message of the gospel is you're not enough, but he is. Right. And we lean upon flesh and we lean upon other people and lean upon ourselves instead of uh, leaning upon the Lord. So yeah, I, w- I would agree. Didn't quite get to five, but... No. Um, so uh, if you um, think about our church, you've been around here a long time. Hello quick word of encouragement what would you say to 
our members. We all face difficult times, difficult things. Our church has faced difficult times and things in the past. Well, looking at the past, just seeing, uh, as you often point out from the pulpit, God's not through with us. There's been a whole lot of opportunities he could have showed us or said, yeah. you know, the, let's just close this place down. Easily. And God's brought us through a lot of things. And then more specifically for right now, you know, as we look at 2021, as you look back, as we always do at 2020, man, uh, it's been a tough year, but we've been blessed. Yeah. Uh, financially, our people have chosen to continue to follow the Lord in, in the way that they spend their money and to, to prioritize that toward the church as God uh, tells us to and we've, we've had a good year financially uh, God's taken care of us most of our people uh, have had a good year financially mm -hmm. you know I'm sure there's other churches where a much larger percentage of people have lost their their income and uh, we've been blessed in that if you yeah. look at if you look at all we were able to accomplish in 2020, uh, how many churches our size would have been able to immediately pick up and live stream and provide the opportunities for the church body to still gather, if you will, electronically? Mm -hmm. uh, the Lord had us already positioned for that. I know some really, really big churches that didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And we were so blessed. You know, I know... Uh, Gary took it as a challenge and and learned and increased his knowledge uh, to allow us to do a, a better job at that. Uh, Isaac's come alongside him and given a fresh perspective, and I know Gary's enjoyed that because he's told me that. Mm -hmm. uh, giving another perspective to that and putting his talents into that. Um, and again, he dove in and learned some things which... Uh, proved to be very necessary. Gary got sick. You know, you think Gary's a rock and he's always there because he's always been there and Gary got sick, had to have a surgery and all of a sudden he's out of commission. Yeah. And uh, Isaac's able to pick it up and, and take it along and and uh, it, it never dropped off. You know what I just thought of is uh, we had a family in our church that before quarantine right. they were stuck at home. Right. And the live stream blessed them so much, they gave a significant exactly. donation that enabled us to upgrade all of our stuff so that we were more ready, yeah. you know, when this came along. So God knows. Yeah, we stepped, you know, we stepped it up just a few times during the during 2020 to add to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then even, you know, you look at how comfortable you were doing something like this in March. Uh, or preaching or sharing a Sunday school lesson. I know it was hard when we started that for mm -hmm. you to do that without people there in front of you. Empty. That's a hard thing to do mm -hmm. and still not something I'm sure you like doing, but you've gotten much better at it. Yeah. And our people still receive that and they're, they're able to learn. So we've been able to do that. Uh, you think of the different ministries that continued on. Mission 405 was not stunted. We've been able to reach people through the food pantry, we've been able to have enough workers even when uh, when it was hard. You know, there's people that it, it was hard for them to get out. We had enough God provided. We had enough people to do that. Um, we did some things like, you know, we did the meal for the first responders, thought of that. We, uh, we were able to do our fall festival. We adjusted it, did it a little bit mm -hmm. different. 
uh, still had people that we had reached. Great turnout, yeah, had yeah. a great crowd. Uh, the snacks for the healthcare workers. I know from firsthand knowledge uh, from my son how much mm -hmm. that is blessed, and we're able to do that twice. Uh, we're able to do a Christmas musical when I had no idea. When we started rehearsing in September, I had no clue whether we'd be able to do do anything or how many people would be able to be involved. I've had people outside of the church, even other ministers that have contacted me and said, man, you had a great participation in all of that because there have been churches much bigger than oh, ours yeah. that couldn't get together that many people and put together that kind of quality. So. And when we started that, God for that, and we learned some things out of that that will carry forward even when we're not in a time like this. I mean, uh, because of the unknown, when we started rehearsing in September, I wanted to be spread out, so we did. Uh, we did it with just sections. Or ended up that helped us. So yeah. that, that's something that'll carry forward. So I think you know, if you overall, I'm just encouraged with what all we were able to do, even though it was a tough year and I think that encouragement ought to take us into 2021 and if we are able to overcome some of these things and able to gather more there's going to be people that want to gather mm -hmm. that weren't able even before this and so we're going to have more opportunities yeah yeah and I've kind of said all along that this is going to change us but it doesn't have to be a bad change right you know, God may show us some things that we look at this and say, man, we took some steps forward. And, uh, you know, so hopefully we'll walk with him and um, he'll continue to bless. Um, just real quick, what's your favorite food, beverage, snack, restaurant, that kind of thing? Gosh, that's easy for me. <laughs> uh, pizza, anytime. Uh, favorite restaurant for pizza, Giordano's. A lot of people will know where that at. A lot of you will know where that's at. Yeah. In fact, I have one in uh, one of my Christmas presents was some Giordano's pizza. No kidding. I have it in my no. freezer right now. Yep. Uh, Mexican food. Uh, I like it, and it really pleases my wife. So that I like that. There uh, you go. La Hacienda. Uh, a good something I would have never thought I would like. A good fresh fish taco. Sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? But. There's a place out in San Diego that got me hooked on that. Fresh grilled fish, fish taco was great. Breakfast out anytime. Favorite place again, San Diego, I've been there with you, mm -hmm. Richard Walker's. Mm -hmm. It's a pancake place, what can be special? Just great food, no, it's great food. Really Combination good. of great food, good coffee, so. Really good. Yeah. What kind of snacks do you like? Mm, good uh, double dip. Double dip chocolate peanuts are hard to beat. Pecan praline. You like right white place. chocolate too, don't you? I love white chocolate. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah. So, anything like that? If somebody wanted to bless yep. you? Yep. Uh, yep. I bet I've been over the bless. So <laughs> You've been over some the bless. Some of that I got to work on this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think a well-rounded music ministry looks like? Um. It goes back to the first point in our mission you pick, you you point out needs to exalt or glorify God. Mm -hmm. That needs to be your basis for anything you do. Uh, needs to revolve around the realization of who God is and who we are, what he's done for us. So that means 
the texts are ultra important. Uh, you've got to look at the text of what you're singing and does it magnify those things, the characteristics of God, what he's done for us. Um, if it's not, if it's fluff, then it's, you know, God, that's really not an acceptable offering to God. Um, it needs to be something that leads us to go beyond our personal taste to where we come to a, a, a commonality, if you will, of, of awe and gratefulness as we anything we do in, in music and it needs to encourage participation which I think is one of the struggles today is keeping music singable um, you know one of the one of the things I think we we struggle with is is the availability of music is so much greater that's a great thing but it's also a, a detriment in some ways to congregational music because we hear things that stir us personally Mm-hmm. when we hear it but it's not really singable congregationally <laughs> and uh, so things have to be in a proper key as you know uh, just because Chris Tomlin can sing it doesn't mean we can sing it as a congregation thankfully there's so many of those people like him and others the Gettys that they arrange their music in a way that we can and that's a that's a tremendous blessing uh, continuing on with it I think a well-rounded ministry needs to provide a way for everyone to share their talents, whether it's congregationally, just being able to sing uh, in a choir, uh, choirs for all ages, possible, uh, orchestra, a band. Uh, I don't think you there's one right way to do it. I, I'm, it always puzzles me places that, at other churches when they have to separate that. To, here's a and I'm saying it's wrong. Some places do it and are very successful with it. But here's a service where we get an orchestra. Here's a service where we have a band. I, I think you can combine both. There's songs that lend I, themselves to where the orchestra probably needs to sit out, and it would be better with a band. It and would be. Yeah. Then there's songs that lend themselves tremendously to an orchestra. I think you can have both. I think what bothers me in in some of that is. Um, to get down really to the nitty-gritty and practicality and flesh and all of that is, uh, if, if we were to make you do like three services in three different styles, let's say yeah. at 8 o'clock you did the country banjo yep. thing, at uh, you know 10 o'clock you did you know an orchestra and all of that, and then at 11 o'clock it was you know rock and roll time, you're going to like one of those services. Yep better than the other you're going to put more into it you're going to have more energy you're going to be more enthusiastic about it and i think one of the things that i don't like about those kind of things is it sort of forces the staff because i would be the same way there would be one of those services where the music would energize me a whole lot more the other ones i might just kind of you know put up with it and i think that's detrimental for the church yeah i do too for the congregation and for the people that are participating because those people that are in it are going to know yeah they're going to know whether you like yeah you know or whether you don't exactly yeah yeah and just to finish that i think the thing doesn't unify the church the things that i have to be careful of is is not to let it get stale but yet not let just put arbitrary expiration dates on things. Yeah, they're good songs that are timeless. Uh, they're songs from the past that just don't work. Uh, so knowing that balance and, and keeping things fresh enough is a difficult thing to do. I heard a 
pastor. Um, he's probably uh, with the Lord now, but um, this this was a long time ago. He said at his church, it was a church in California, we uh, take a song, we sing it, and when we've done it our 50th time, we don't pick it up ever again. Yeah. And it's gone. I'm like, well, what would that do for Luther's yeah. A Mighty Fortress or, you know, Joy to the World. <laughs> yeah. And usually it's when the song. songs like that fade away, it's probably, a, part of that is a failing of, of leadership like me or a parent that doesn't teach the value of that to younger yeah. people. And sometimes it's time for a fresh arrangement yeah. of it or yeah. something like that. Um, Nothing wrong with that. We've had a lot of those kind of things lately. And um, frankly, some of those appeal more than others. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that you know Jesus cautioned us against vain repetition in mm -hmm. praying. And it dawned on me one time that a lot of our singing is really a prayer put to music. Sure. And we've got to be careful that it's not, there's nothing wrong with repetition. The Psalms, his mercy endures forever, his mercy endures forever. It's not repetition he condemned, it's vain or empty repetition. And I think sometimes you can do that with music yeah. more than you can anything else. Yeah. Well, we need to kind of uh, wrap up uh, things here. Um, let's combine two here. If you could write a letter hmm. to the you that started ministry, uh, what would you say, and what do you want your epitaph to say? Mm, the things I wish I'd have known a lot earlier was that uh, you can get along with people without having to prove yourself right. I struggle with that. I talked to you about that first yep. earlier. Um, and in relationships, when you're trying to solve problems, uh, if you're not willing to honestly look at whether you're wrong, you probably won't be able to solve a problem, even if you're right. Uh, so, you know, as you look at the Lord's plan for that in Matthew, uh, it requires that you take a look at your position and be mm -hmm. willing to be wrong before you can be right and get along with somebody. Um, as far as, you know, I thought a lot about about that when you gave me that question yesterday what what would I want my epitaph to be uh, uh, I wish and I struggle you know I guess as you get older then you go to funerals and you hear people talk about somebody and you, uh, I wish mine could say uh, he was kind mm -hmm. I struggle with that mm -hmm. sometimes my first inclination is a sarcastic comment uh, I look I'm, I'm selfish so do I really meet the needs of people like others and Thankfully, there's a lot of people I'm around that hopefully make me a little better at that. But I, I'd like to be better at that. Mike Johnson. Yeah, Mike Johnson, Jimmy Hillis, John Rawson, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jack Hannon in times past. Brother Luke was that way. Uh, L.D. Baker was such an encourager. Uh, just a lot of people. Uh, then the other thing, if if something could be said about me, is it just somebody would say, oh, I learned something from you. Hopefully my kids can say that. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully however little somebody that was, was a part of my ministry can say I learned this whether it's good or bad maybe they learned something not to do that's true I hope yeah. uh, I think we all do that people can learn from the positive right yeah. um, I think I want on mine <laughs> I told you I was sick yeah you know? <laughs> 
that kind of thing. But uh, those are kind of tough questions. I appreciate yeah. you taking time to sure think about them, and I hope that it's encouraged you. And the fact that people are going to watch this and listen to your heart, um, we certainly hope that it encourages you as well and encourages our church and brings glory to the Lord. So thank you sure. very much. And uh, thank you for watching us. I'm not exactly sure where to look right now. But uh, uh, God bless you and thank you. And pray for your staff and pray for us as a church. And uh, during this next year, 2021, uh, it, it's kind of got a gloomy look to it, but our prayer is that uh, it will have the grace and the glory and the power of God on it, and he'll do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. So pray with us about that, and may the Lord bless you as well.